Hello, and welcome to Wayward Witch, a pagan podcast. My name is Miranda, and I'll be guiding you along this journey to explore non-denominational witchcraft for the modern practitioner every Tuesday. You can find us on your preferred podcast provider, or by following the links on Twitter at WayWitchCast, or on Facebook and Instagram at WayWitchPodcast. Feel free to reach out for questions, concerns, or even just to chit-chat, as I do love to hear from all of you. Let's walk this path together. Let's talk about Coven versus Solitary. I want you to go ahead and scrub your mind clean of our prejudices here as well. We're not going to start from a place of preconceived notions or instilled ideals from others, so let's start with a clean slate psychologically here so that you can find the best fit possible for you and your practice. I understand that there are coven purists that believe that no one can truly be part of our faith without the initiation process and belonging to a coven, as well as solitary witches that will fight tooth and nail against coven workings. So go ahead, take a minute, pause this episode if need be, and get those thoughts out of your head so that we can move forward. Most people in this path choose a solitary form of practice. With solitary practice, you have the ability to tailor all of your rituals and workings to your own set of beliefs, including ethics, ritual types, and tools used for all of your doings. It's also really beneficial for those who have lack of access to a structured coven in their area or are unable to practice freely due to laws and culture. We have to remember, witchlings, that not everyone practicing paganism in the occult are from Western countries where the practice is either welcome or tolerated. In Saudi Arabia, for instance, there are those caught practicing witchcraft that can face the death penalty for their actions. Also, not all employers are equal opportunity employers, so people here in the U.S. can be fired from their jobs if their religious affiliation doesn't match up with their boss's belief or go against the establishment's beliefs as well. I'm sure places like Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby wouldn't appreciate an out loud and proud witch in their ranks of employees. Therefore, the assured confidentiality of solitary witchcraft works well for those who fear persecution, lack access, or simply want a more tailored approach to their workings. Then we have coven practice, where a group of witches will gather together for planned rituals and workings as a collective whole. You can think of this as a sort of witch church. This works great for a lot of us because the community aspect of it is inspiring and holds us accountable to be the best witches and citizens available through creating a structured system that pushes everyone to stay active in their practice. Some covens will also participate in community outreach, holding food drives and other services for the least fortunate people in their locality. You can also get to meet others that may not share the same exact view as you on beliefs and practices, since many covens have an eclectic approach to members and their deities especially, so there's this amazing learning opportunity available to you within a coven to broaden your horizons and belief set. You may join a coven believing one thing, but through social interactions and such, you may learn that your perceptions maybe didn't fit the facts or even your skill set. The energy generated when practicing in a group as well is so incredible, intense, and awe-inspiring that I personally believe everyone should try it at least twice. I actually want to kind of deviate from here and share a personal story. 
as a baby pagan, whenever I was 16, 17, around that time, I had gone to my first full moon ritual. And I have heard from my partner at the time, who is not a pagan themselves, that the energy there will cause you to weep. And there were multiple times during this full moon ritual where I was barely holding it together because it was so overwhelming and awesome that it just almost forced the tears out of you. And it's incredible. Definitely give it a try. So what about the negative sides of both? With solitary, there's the obvious element of loneliness and seclusion that can come with it. However, that seems to be changing with the spread of resources and online communities at our fingertips with the internet. I think it's pretty cool. There's also the issue where you may come to a point where you begin to become stagnant and lazy with your practice, because no one is holding you to a standard or mandating participation in your faith regularly. You're also lacking a mentor face-to-face -face that can provide you with skills, practices, and knowledge that you can't really receive from watching YouTube videos or even listening to this podcast. For instance, say you're starting out on your path as a solitary witch and you're learning candle magic and divination. It's leaps and bounds easier to have someone be there with you, one-on-one, -on -one, to teach you the patterns of the flames and encourage you to decipher their meaning, rather than posting a photo or video on a forum and asking, what does this mean? With a hundred answers from people who may or may not have the knowledge and practice behind them that a mentor, priestess, or priest would. With solitary witchcraft, you're also missing out on the benefit of being able to work with a large amount of amassed energy that a coven could provide, so your crafting can become a, quite a bit limited. The drawbacks of a coven can sound a bit intimidating. With a large group of people that are as close as coven members tend to be, there can be a fair amount of drama if the leaders of the coven aren't on top of the issue, or if members aren't vetted and made sure that all can work together peacefully. If your coven is geared towards light work that excludes hexes and such, then it would be wise not to add a chaos witch who dabbles in the dark because it literally goes against the collective people's ethics. However, some covens will care more about how many are in the, in the coven rather than the compatible personalities within the coven. It's unfortunate, but it's true, and I'm not going to shy away from the truth here. You can also run into issues where people will flake on predetermined ritual because, well, life happens. The main issue I see with the complaints that I've heard over the years, though, is that there's always a risk of corruption. Some witches, and maybe even some of you, have taken a part in coven practice and have faced abuse of power by the leaders, energy theft, shady financial practices, and the works. At one point in my life personally, I was looking to join a coven that demanded a $250 membership fee yearly and didn't allow visitors to their coven workings. It was either you were in or you were out. There were no rules to read beforehand, no mission statement, nothing. I was also told that membership to this coven would also mean that I would have to accept that the high priestess was holier, so to speak, than the others, and that all inquiries to the gods had to go through her because none of us were deemed good enough to speak to our gods ourselves. From what I've been reading and listening to, many witches have experienced very similar things, and that's so incredibly unfortunate. What I would suggest is creating a checklist for what you desire of a coven while also asking questions of the leadership and members. What kind of experience do the leaders of the coven have? 
How much time can you commit to the coven? Does the coven claim a historical lineage? And if so, where's the proof of this? How are the rituals performed? Like, are they done fully nude, with a dress code, or in casual wear? Are they generally performed inside or outside, if that matters for you? Do they have a training program? How is the coven structured? What is the financial contribution? While covens shouldn't be charging exorbitant membership fees every year, like $250 per person, you shouldn't be surprised if they ask for a small contribution for tools, renting public spaces, and even bringing your own food to gatherings. Some covens will be understanding if severe poverty or special circumstances prevent you from chipping in a time or two, but you should definitely ask if there are fees required for members. This bit is a little personal. I believe that paganism should be accessible to all people interested in taking part of the faith. That said, it's 2019. There's no reason why covens should be so secretive that they don't allow potential initiates to come around for a minor ritual, say, a full moon festivity, and experience how things are done as a bystander. Usually, this means that you would sit on the sidelines and observe how things are done with that particular coven. If you have a coven in a country where witches are legally permitted and socially tolerated enough to not keep witchcraft as a secret, then there is absolutely no reason why non-initiates should be kept in the absolute dark. Therefore, dear witchlings, I would highly suggest steering clear of covens that require that you're kept in the dark prior to initiating into one. Even with ritual preferences aside, I think it's imperative that all members meet and get a feel for one another prior to initiation to make sure that all personalities can work in harmony fairly well. After all, what makes a coven successful are the witches that make it up. That's not to say that everyone within a coven has to be friends. However, everyone does have to be able to get along and respect one another enough to maintain a healthy congregation. The Mythology Minute will be back next week while I try to get everything more streamlined for social media. I know, I know. I've been slacking really hard, or so it would seem. I also want to give a shout out to the new listeners who have contacted me this past week with supportive, kind messages. I won't name you because I'm not a big fan of outing people in case that information is sensitive, but you know who you are. Thank you so much for your sweetness, and I love every one of you. I also want to apologize for some of the way that I've been sounding in this recording. I am battling allergies really hard these last couple of weeks, so I may sound a little stuffed up and pretty gnarly. So if you're having to listen to that and you notice it, I'm sorry. (laughs) But at the end of the day, never forget witchlings. Be kind. Be brave. Be unstoppable. I'll see you next time.